Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 is back. Big week ahead. Glad you're with us. Monday edition, day number 51. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, David Reed, Jacob Swanson, Jake Popoff, and the full cast, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, everyone making the show happen for us today as we broadcast live from Blackbird Studio, inside Studio G in Nashville, Tennessee. Gentlemen, good morning. Congratulations, Chad Withrow. He won the big bet over the weekend. Phil Mickelson wins the PGA Championship. And Chad Withrow's smile means the wallet is thick today. I didn't have a shirt that featured the Wanamaker Trophy for the PGA Championship, so I had to wear the next best thing, which is this lovely master shirt purchased at Augusta National. And I would like to take this time <laughs> to, much like Phil, who in the post-round, in the interview, said that, Everything was pointing to this never happening again, but I just believed. I believed it could happen. It can serve as an inspiration to everyone. And I want to say that everyone believed Phil wasn't going to win, except for me. Paul even said, you just threw away $3. No chance it's going to happen. And I kept telling myself, it's going to eventually happen. Why not now? And because of that, I am $840 rich. Yes, you are. Thanks to Phil Mickelson, and thanks to FanDuel Sports. Congratulations. Let me be clear. I said on this show... As you on see the Thursday, you see the bet yes, placed on Wednesday night at 525 p.m. and a couple of other losing bets underneath that. And let me be players. clear. I said on Thursday, I believe, that it was a waste of $3 that he would not stay in first. And I was dead wrong. Chad, and, and believe me, yesterday I was rooting for Team Chad slash Phil. He is my friend. I want my mm. friend to win $850. And it was a great story. Uh, I, w I was all in on this. We were texting. We were rooting. It was terrific. I missed the Predators' goal. Well, we were texting. I was Chad went flipping. silent for yeah, a break. Chad was kind of silent. I'm a big anti-jinx guy when it comes to my money. We're not, and we're not, a, we're I, not was, a, I was knocking on a lot of wood. Where's the, where's the wood at in the studio right now? I was knocking on everything, every text and I got. And we generally do not believe in jinxes. But no, I guess no. with money on the line, it's a different deal. Of course, we said you should have bet five. You should have bet ten automatically if you have a big win. Yeah, you feel you terrible for not going should have won. heavier should have won more. But a terrific bet. He sets the standard for the show. Hmm. Now, that is the bet that we try to find and top when you're digging for a gem before a golf tournament or the NCAA March Madness or something like that. So great job on setting the standard f for that. What I, led you to actually put money on Phil Mickelson? Yeah. Because he didn't decide he was going to play until like a week prior to the event. Right. So uh, big ups to uh, Holly Saunders, now of OutKick.com, <laughs> because uh, I saw a picture of Holly Saunders and I clicked on it, <laughs> and it was an article at OutKick, believe it or not. Uh, they do a great job of marketing those uh, 
those stories. And I, I go to this uh, story from Holly Saunders, and on there she's going through her betting odds and what she would place money on. And in the last category was basically the Flyers she would take. And she mentioned Phil oh. Mickelson deciding to play and that it would be just like Phil Mickelson it, to make a, a run at this trophy and play great. And so for that reason, and look, you pick someone that you know that you're going to root for anyways. So I'm thinking plus 2800 I'll throw three dollars down. I'm out three bucks. Who cares if I lose? And if it's going through the weekend, what a great story! And I don't blame Paul for saying I threw three dollars away. I thought I threw three dollars yeah. away, but it was a fun three dollars to yeah. throw away. I and mean, everybody thought that you had thrown money away if you bet on on. Oh, Phil and Nicholson. when you see a, a first round leader, I mean, especially when it's somebody like Phil, who's a long shot. Usually, that guy, if he leads early, then drops out and that fades big. Also, so that he that he withstood it is it makes it all the bigger of a story. It, it, it's not Phil Mickelson unless they <laughs> unless he makes it interesting down the stretch. Like you you see the final three holes and you're thinking there's no way this lead collapses on Phil Mickelson. And sure enough, by 17 on the tee, I'm thinking about Chad getting a little nervous. But well, I mean, he is tight, absolute, tight. He is an absolute rock star. Yeah. walking the yeah. back nine of that course, despite the terrible KPMG logo, the worst corporate logo in the history of mankind. Looks like it's de- designed in the 1970s, hasn't been updated. Zero effort put into it. He's got the shades on that are not your conventional sporting shades. He's got the tan. He's slimmed <laughs> down, and he uh, everybody's on board. He looks like Hugh Grant. Yeah, he looks like Angie, Hugh Grant. my wife, po- uh, pointed that I out. Said he looks thing. like Hugh Grant when she wa- watched him walking the course. Look there, at him. This is looked, him early in his career versus now yeah, on the right. And he was a sloppy guy, and he got with the times. I think it's impressive in in that. I mean, he's the oldest guy to win a major, and 50 doesn't seem that old anymore because 50's, you know, the new 40, all of these catchphrases. But at the same time, the charge in golf now is all these young guys, right? So on the one hand, it's very impressive that a 50-year-old could win a major. On the other hand, 50 is not nearly as old as it used to be in terms of being... uh, uh, It's pretty old in golf. Yeah. I mean, there have been 456 majors dating back... To 1860, and what was he's Nicholas? the oldest of all what time. Was Nicholas Nicholas was 46, 46 and he seemed awfully old. Well, they then. had a guy who was 48 and a guy who was 47. I saw in that graphic they show, but it was all like old time, you know, Civil War photos right. <laughs> looking guys playing. Here's I mean, one thing that I had that that it's I, the first time he's tied. He's been better than tied for 71st, uh, which was the PGA Championship in 2016 at a major. I loved. That coming up 18, and I love this at majors when they allow them yeah. to do it, the fans coming up behind them, but they did a terrible job of maintaining oh, a, a safe distance. I'm glad if they you're did. a little bit claustrophobic, and it was worse for Kepka. I mean, Kepka had made to the fight moment. his way through the crowd. We will never, like, the, the replays of that with the crowd surrounding him as he makes that shot, that second shot on 18 hitting the green, and the crowd around him. And then the putt with Nant saying, step aside, father time. That will be replayed 25 years from now. And we will remember that moment. I'm glad that the crowd was as close to, they, to him as they were. I can't remember his quote. He said it was a little bit uh, distressing. It reminded me of Hank Aaron's cool. home run with the guy who tried Coming to give him the congratulations him. and gave him a big. Yeah. And, and Phil kind of shuddered, kind of gave him the stiff arm aside. 
in security. The cop got the guy out of there quickly. Well, you could see him trying to control his breathing. Yes. Uh, on that second shot at 18, because everyone was right there with him, like he's trying to calm his 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 nerves, his his energy. Emotion. Yeah, his emotion because he he knows he, he if he hits it on the green he has a three putt for for right. a win, um, and and look I, I I thought his composure in that setting is amazing because he's walking up to the 17 t walking up to the 18 t giving thumbs up to the crowd that are shouting at him you know and and meanwhile you've got Kepka who's just laser focused Phil's laser focused but it's. It's more lenient with the fans well, that are they, telling him, like, give us, show us some thumbs. You know, that's his. That's his. They say. they mentioned this too, but Phil self-professed his biggest problem in tournaments has been lack of focus. Yeah, that he just comes in and out of focus. He'll have a good seven or eight holes, and then he'll completely crater Spray for a number something. of holes. And that was a big. Once he got in contention on Thursday, and then into Friday. I know Jim Nance said this that talking to people on tour, he was not the same chatty Kathy. Phil Mickelson on the driving range and on the putting greens before. He wasn't talking to anyone. He was laser focused. You saw the, a different intensity with him throughout Saturday. And I watched every hole Saturday and Sunday. But there was a difference with Phil Mickelson. He clearly had not shut that mind off in that post interview. That was very, I think Reed said before, clinical was a yeah. good word to describe it. Clinical, canned, not the same funny. You know, jokester Phil Mickelson that you'd normally see in that setting, or any emotion at all. I think he was still in laser focus killer mode at that point when he was being interviewed, and, and probably today or tomorrow it'll sink in what he's accomplished, and he'll be different in interviews moving forward. But you could really see a difference with him, and I think it made it all the better that it wasn't some scrub who was trying to win their first major. Brooks Kepka's won four majors, and he's in that group with him. And he is as big of an alpha as there is He's on a tour. Shark. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you notice, Kepka was pissed at that crowd that he got stuck in. Well, he couldn't get and out. coming out of there. And I noticed when he tapped out, usually you give an acknowledgement to the crowd or tip of the cap. He didn't do anything. Well, I think he was <laughs> he upset. He knew they were all for Phil Mickelson, which he understands, but he didn't like the crowd. I think he was upset because in that crowd, he was bumped around a little bit, and his knees are already an issue. Yeah. And I, that that played a factor in in why he was upset with with all. I of that. think it's got to be better controlled. I do think uh, I take your point. And from behind, the from behind, I was very claustrophobic for everybody involved. From in front, they showed a picture, and I said to Teresa, "This looks like a guy leading an army." Yeah, <laughs> you know, he looks like, like Moses. general or Moses. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it's just one of those sports moments that will it's natural will relive over replay forever. Yeah. I mean that that march up eighteen. Where he throws the hands in the air in typical Phil fashion with the logo, you know, and, 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 and does those, it as the oldest major champion in golf. And we'll talk about this later. In Nashville, it was a tough moment because we had overtime hockey against 17, <laughs> 18, and 19, yeah. and you were bound to miss something as you were trying well, you to balance. Can't. Picture in picture would have been huge or two TVs. It's the beauty of DVR, you know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm recording both, so I could go back and watch either one, and I was doing a lot of channel flipping, yeah. but. I, I mean, missed the goal. I was, I I was more goal. into the PGA Championship because yeah. I knew it was history being made. I knew that we were going to come here on this show, and that's what everyone across the country is going to be talking about, not necessarily the Preds game, but you can watch both. I still caught every second of the Preds game because I was going back and forth on Sunday and watching both. But this leads to the question. We can get into this more in this hour. And I know Clay tweeted this out, and I think it's a fair question. What's the better accomplishment? 
Tiger Woods coming back from what he came back from at 44 and winning a major, or almost 51-year-old Phil Mickelson, seven years older, with a, a wide gap between good performances, coming back and winning one major. I think it's Tiger. I think it's Phil. Because of everything that goes into it, and Phil hadn't had the catastrophic health problems the way Tiger had faced in his career. But it's, it's a fair discussion to be had about which is more impressive. Well, I think it's Tiger because of the physical stuff that you're talking about. I mean, there were points at which people thought he wouldn't play effective golf again based on all that his back's been through. What, what, Phil just you know, got old and wasn't playing great golf anymore. It's impressive that he was able to rise back up and play a great four days of golf. Um, so that that's great. But Tiger, I think, the physical stuff and how far he had disappeared. And he was not playing golf for long, right. long stretches and came back. People wondered if he'd ever be able to, to play competitive golf again. So I think it's Tiger by a, a good margin. But that doesn't diminish that that's, what Phil just did is really, really incredible and impressive. I agree. Uh, but I, I, I smile only because that's kind of where Phil has been throughout his entire career. It's like, what's more impressive, Tiger right. or Phil? It, it, he's in Tiger's he, shadow. He's never been number one on tour in, in the money for a single PGA season. Because of Tiger. But he's right. top three, two or three all time in money earned. Yeah. But it's the era that he's involved with. He's never been number one in the world. But here he is with six majors, 45 wins on tour, and three masters. Top money overall. You know, he's right there at the top. And then he produces a moment that we'll, we'll never soon forget. I, I, it, I love watching him play. Oh, yeah. And he's, he's the guy that has turned the persona in his favor. Right. I didn't like him early. Well, because everyone loved Tiger. And then Tiger became the villain, in a way. And Phil took over as the, the guy that everyone was trying to root for to win the Masters. Well, I didn't like him early. Look at that picture that we showed. He's kind of fat and sloppy. I, I don't, I'm that not is, a big fat and sloppy That's guy. golf guy. I mean, I think he's more likable. I don't go to the weight room. I mean, I, I respect the hell out of the fact that you can show up and walk the course doing that. Yeah, I, I, I've always liked Phil. I, I've never seen him as much as a villain because he's kind of the... He presents himself as a sort of all shucks, like waving and laughing with the, yeah. the spectators and everything else. So I, I've always liked seen him as kind reason. of a phony early in his career. I think he's become more, I don't know about more that. human I, to people. I see. More I think relatable. He's to more people. down. See, I think with Phil, his persona is more true to himself on Twitter. Like if you watch his videos, he's doing the calf raises right. and <laughs> talking about. But I think that's evolved over time. And, I think that's evolved. He's a guy that you feel like you go to Top Golf with and have a blast. Oh, uh, you know, with with Tiger, it's straight competition, and it's more like Stanford nerd talk. If he's on commentary, you put Phil behind the microphone. He's the and he's, he's one the guy of you. The club. He's the guy yeah. that's, that's hitting the, the club. The, the, he's very here's, relatable in that sense. Here's what's great about uh, the, the whole Phil thing, and I, and I saw the the statue running through. I know Virgil Herring, a great local golf guy, uh, on on uh, News Channel Five here locally in Nashville, was saying he's in the top eight all time. You know, wherever you want yeah. to put him, Phil's the top eight all-time and kind of ran through some stats in his career that are very impressive, but also where he doesn't maybe measure up with the greatest of all time, but he's top eight, so he's in the top ten. But the greatest of all time is Tiger Woods. Yes. And, and Virgil said that, and I think all of us ag agree with that. Here's the crazy thing about Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods' mentality. He's watching Phil yesterday. He's sending out congrats and everything else. You know Tiger's sitting there thinking, you know what's going to be more impressive? When I come back from yeah. two shattered legs and win another major. 
Because that is what he's going to do. You're right. He's thinking that. Everyone second-guessed him winning another major. He goes out and wins the Masters. He's competitive in other majors. He started to hit his stride. And now he has his car accident. And the way Tiger Woods is wired is, I'm going to come back, battle back, and win one more. Maybe it's in my early 50s. Maybe it's he, I think he's 46 now, right around yeah, there. Yeah. Like you know, maybe it's right before I – but whatever it is, it's going to be more impressive when I come back from this injury from a car accident and win another major. This, this is my Mickelson comparison, and it's off in a lot of ways, I understand. It's not the same level of transformation. It's not the same personality by any means. But I feel like there's a little bit of John McEnroe there in terms of second act. Like he's a – to me – He's a different guy than he was at the beginning. McEnroe was very much a different guy at the beginning, you know, when the hair was going and he was gray, and he was a different kind of guy. To me, Mickelson's a different kind of guy this time through. The things that made him unlikable to the people who didn't like him have kind of dissipated, and he's a much more affable guy to me now. I think that's the case with a lot of American sports. What was unlikable stars. about him, though, to you? Just that he was chubby? <laughs> no, he, like, he, what is the, no, he was, he was, he was brash, brash and cocky. And cocky um, and he's always had a bit of a But again, it was the, him, it's the one-on-one rivalry. Everyone's rooting yeah. for Tiger in the late 90s, early 2000s. And he was the he's the challenger. But, but I always about that I, maybe I look at it differently. That, I root for the stars. Like I'm always rooting for Tiger and Phil to be in contention. So I was never rooting against Phil. Now, on the rare chance that they were right there in the final group at a major, which almost never happened, then I'm rooting for Tiger to win outright. But I always want the big names. I want that leaderboard on Sunday to be four or five names I know. You got that yesterday because you you had Kepka and Ustazen and those guys up there close to the top also throughout the day. But that's what I want are the stars. I think that edge comes off a little bit, American stars and in individual sports as they get older. Or we get more used to them and, and we, we like them better. I agree They've with that, though, Paul. Us. But what's crazy about the Phil Mickelson story is his edge had to come back to win a major. Right. He was a prick on the course yesterday and Saturday. He wasn't talking to anybody. He wasn't yucking it up with fans like normal. And that's what got him to win. Oh, but uh, I mean, he had the his final three holes. It's, it's, he was he was giving thumbs up. And yeah, fist, I think I think when he knew he was going to do it. But I'm saying, uh, well, there was the one funny moment too where it hit someone. Remember, and he goes to the fan and says, "Show him what happened." And the the mm-hmm. young dude went up, and he said, "No, no, 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 no!" Thought he was going to grab his ball, yeah. and he was going to show where it went, and, and feels like, "No, no, don't, don't, don't do that!" Like he was about to touch it. Yeah, which was great. All right, Chad, you had plus eighty five hundred. No, what was plus twenty eight hundred. I won eight hundred and forty dollars plus three dollar Yeah, he's plus five thousand for the U.S. Open. How much do we put that? <laughs> There's no way he's going to do it again. I mean, now, now I'm like you. Last time I was like, I mean, that's just throwing five dollars away at this point. And I almost want to be like, shh. The, the secret's out now on, on these long. I was talking to Jacob Swanson before the show. I mean, I'm probably going to put three dollars on a few long shots that every I tournament. know every tournament. Just someone I know and say, well, maybe this is the off chance this person returns to glory or fulfills the destiny, the promise they had early in their career, and they faded since that point. How crazy is it what what Kepka's done? At the Masters, coming off surgery, what, six weeks earlier on the knee, and now performs again. He shows up every single major. He performs. He is right there. He knows how to rise to the occasion. And, you know, after Saturday, he's like, yeah, I don't care how I got here. I'm in the final pairing. 
Like, it's just, I, I love his attitude yeah, he's, when it comes to that. He's a winner. He is, yes. a, he is a winner. He's got a, and that's that's what I think was, it would not have been the same. It would have been I great yesterday. It would have been if a it's story. like Brandon Grace or someone in the final right. pairing. If it was Wills Alatoris yeah. in the final pairing, it still would have been a big moment for Phil Mickelson. But the fact that it's a four-time major champion that is self-professed, only plays for majors, lives for the majors, does not care about other tournaments, he is there to beat you in majors, and he is a guy seen in that clubhouse as, while a nice guy, is no one's friend. Mm-hmm. He's out there to beat you. He's one of those young, competitive guys. For Phil to outlast him, where the course won throughout the weekend, but where Phil outlasts him, I think makes it even cooler. I hope Mickelson does the – I'm not into the late-night shows or anything, but I hope he does the circuit and their clips to, to watch. I'd like to see him. Yeah, I hope there's some interviews In the to relaxed mode. Because I was after. hoping he was going to have a one-liner – or joke around in that interview setting, or get emotional, or something. Couldn't flip, the and it was very right. clinical. Maybe after, after uh, yeah, you're right about the the clinical interview, and he he did it with uh, Balionis, who's very good. She's, She's great. very good, but Mickelson and Nance are best friends. Yep. And yep. I I wanted that interview, and, didn't. and I, I I don't know if it may, maybe away. it's happening later. You know, uh, maybe maybe they did some post show that I didn't watch. Where I don't know, uh, but that's the interview I can't wait for. Between those two and in discussing this tournament. Can you imagine being uh, in the back room, private room of a steakhouse in Charleston, South Carolina, last night, if it's Nance and Mickelson and some of those guys together telling stories after a win like that? <laughs> Just how awesome it would be to be in that room and, and be a part of that? I have a feeling they were back on the happened. beach on the West Coast, private yeah. private jet Probably. doing that. Flew right back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're not driving anywhere. Oh, you mean we have to drive 25 miles? I haven't driven 25 miles. Uh, since 1995, so I will be driven or we will fly. Aaron Rodgers in the headlines today, and he'll be in the headlines tomorrow morning as well. We'll tell you why. Also, uh, we get into the Jacksonville Jaguars, who had uh, a high rating right there with Trevor Lawrence on another player uh, through one of their videos that was uh, released over the weekend, and we'll, we'll discuss who that player was and why. And we see Julio Jones calling up Undisputed this morning. Or he answered the phone from Undisputed and discussed his future with the Atlanta Falcons. All of that and more coming up this hour right here on OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Hang with us. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network, which includes YouTube and Twitter. You can follow us at Outkick360 and just search out Outkick360 channel on YouTube. Subscribe, hit the bell, hit the alert button every time we go live, anytime we post new content, it is available for you. Also available, the 360 Masters. You saw Phil win big yesterday. You can win big Thursday, June 10th at Top Golf. All proceeds benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Tennessee. And if you're in the Nashville area, if you'd like to join us, the link is in our bio on any social media platform. It's tagged to the top of the Facebook page, Two Bays Left. And we sell these by the bay where all proceeds go to charity. Uh, you can have your office, a group of friends, coworkers, whatever it might be. You can show up and play and have a great time. And again, 100% of the proceeds goes to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. It's gonna be a blast. Two bays left. We're going to be a part of it. A big night plan. And uh, over the weekend, 
I saw Ryan Leaf, who was in town this weekend uh, for an event with the Pro Football Hall of Fame Beha Behavioral Health uh, Center, and they did it with the Nashville Recovery Center, and saw him yesterday, and I, I guess we were um, showing a promo of this prior to him joining us the day he came on last week, but he was asking about it. He played Hermitage over the weekend. He came in on Friday, flew out yesterday. We were watching Phil uh, at the tournament, but he, he was telling me that Peyton had recommended Hermitage is where you should go play. Course. And so he went and played, shot 74, and I said, you wow. would be excellent for 360 Masters. You could win the green jacket. That jacket right <laughs> behind Chad over there. That's I'm going right. to go ahead and go on a limb and say Ryan Leaf hits the ball hard. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and betting he is putting a driver out there pretty far when he hits. Yeah. I don't uh, know how there are two bays left on this. Two, two left. Get moving. Uh, it's a great night. Great cause. Uh, you've been dying to get out. Here's a great night out. It's great food, great time. Get on it. Let's sell those two bays today. And also, someone uh, sent me a message on Twitter or Facebook yesterday saying they bought a patron's ticket. So you can buy a patron oh, ticket? We have the, patron's tickets, yeah. Yeah. So That's the, a cool option. Yeah, if you have a group, thank you. It, uh, I did not do this two years yeah, ago. Someone said that, and I was thinking, okay, cool, see yeah, you there. there. There's an individual ticket, which is just for viewing only. Come hang out. Uh, and it covers the cost of food is what it does. So if you're interested in that, you can join us that night as well, uh, only because there's six players available per bay. And if you wanted to bring eight, six could play, two would need a patron's ticket. And we've provided that option. Could where come you can bring shout some friends. at Kirby, for example. That's right. It's a big night. It's That's a big right. night. Join us. It's going to be a big night tonight uh, for SportsCenter. Kenny Main's final SportsCenter is tonight, and his guest is Aaron Rodgers. So if you're tired of the Aaron Rodgers news, Get ready for big news tomorrow, because it doesn't matter what he says. But Maine will ask him about this on ESPN, and this will be the national headline tomorrow morning. We will be likely leading with this storyline tomorrow. Yeah. Whatever Aaron Rodgers says on SportsCenter tonight, which I don't know if it's the final guest for Kenny Maine on ESPN, uh, but they, they get along well. They're, they're kind of of the same mind when they do these bits together. Uh, it'll be a funny... I'm sure a fun visit with them, but Kenny will ask the right questions with this too. Yeah, and Rogers already a, a headline today for something everybody knew was happening. He's not with uh, with the Packers at at OTAs today as Phase <clears throat> Three begins. Everybody knew he wasn't going to be there, but when he's actually not there, it's a story and a headline. So he's being discussed everywhere today. Maine will get some meat on the bone tonight, and. Along with some other fun bits that Kenny's known for and that we're going to miss more. with Maine not being on ESPN any longer. Feels like the death of my ESPN childhood tonight. Uh, Kenny Maine uh, officially kills it in terms of people that I grew up watching on Is ESPN. Linda Cohn still there some? I'm trying to think who's there from our era. Um, well, Chris Berman. Right, yeah. is still he's there, on so plus. he's been on there. Plus. And occasionally. Linda Cohn, I think, occasionally hosts SportsCenter. Dick Vitale, I guess, would fall into that category for me. He's been there yeah. for so long. Oh, we'd rather he be dismissed. Yeah. But of the, of the SportsCenter anchors, mourn. there's not – I'm trying to think of, like, who's the – it's Scott Van Pelt now. Yeah. Scott Van Pelt is terrific. Oh, he's great. I, I think he's very, very good. I love his and show. does a different I DVR his show. show. I mean, it's, it's that really good. But he started probably a lot later than a lot of these guys. Yeah. He's a lot younger than a lot of these Well, he started on uh, on Golf Network, right? And that, He was on Golf Network whenever we were discussing Kenny Mayne and Dan yep. Patrick and Olbermann. Kenny Mayne, though, was so uh, unique. Golf Channel. Right? I mean, that, you're gonna, I'm going to miss that unique approach. Dry, his funny. sense of humor. 
the yeah. one, the one-liners he would get in, you'd have to really pay attention to catch some of the jokes in, in his broadcast. Uh, I will be DVRing this tonight and watching and, and paying tribute to Kenny Mayne, who's not done. I mean, I, I've read his interview in The Athletic with Richard Deitch, and he's going to go do something else, and someone's going to hire him, and he's still going to put out good stuff. I think ESPN underutilized him towards the end, quite honestly. They kind of buried him a little bit. I don't know why. Paul, you said you're a little conflicted when you see the ticker tape parade being thrown for Kenny Mayne from ESPN. Well, they did this too for Trey Wingo when he left. And I saw it from like Seth Markman. Seth Markman's the, the head of the NFL division production-wise. I, I met Seth Markman a couple times when I worked there. You know, and he sends out a big salute to Trey Wingo when Trey Wingo's leaving. And I say, well, you're one of the guys who could have helped Trey Wingo stay. Mm. So I don't want to hear your tribute to Trey Wingo. I want you to keep Trey Wingo. Um, you know, so this isn't the same necessarily. But, yeah, I'm a bit conflicted when I see PR paying tribute to Kenny Maine when ESPN could have done more to keep Kenny Maine. It's a bit conflicting to me. To You know, I, I yeah, I don't want them to ignore him on the way out. So, uh, yeah, I'd be blasting them either way, I guess. They're in a no-win situation unless they do the right thing and ante up to keep Kenny Maine. Well, there, there's... We're in a day and age where there's not a lot of mutual respect when it comes to uh, company versus employee uh, in the media business. Because normally when it's over, it's over. And here's your two weeks notice. Stop working now. We're going to pay you for two weeks. Right. Um, I, I like the fact that they've, they've given him this platform. Because, I mean, otherwise he would just have to send out a tweet and that would be it. We wouldn't see him again until he joins Fox or wherever he's going. Yeah, we've seen some exits being uh, mishandled in the past with, with media companies and, and people who have uh, started companies or been there a long time not being afforded a chance to do a final week of shows right. or a final show. I think ESPN has handled this as well as you can. I mean, the, Kenny Mayne is probably making too much money for what they're asking him to do right now based on how long he's right. been there. But we saw what they so, asked him to take, and it was a ridiculous percentage. Yeah, of they wanted him. He, I think he wanted to do more. They wanted him to do less and to pay him less. And he decided to go do something else, which I think is fine. I'm not throwing a a pity party for ESPN in this deal either. I'm not saying they're completely in the right. But um, I think that lack of respect with media company, a lot of times it's the big company and a lack of respect to talent. Sometimes it can be talent that suddenly makes a ton of money that feels they're bigger than any company they work for. And there's a lack of respect going both ways. Kenny Mayne doesn't strike me as that guy. I've enjoyed following him on Twitter the past week and a half since this has been announced. Yeah. Seeing the old photos, the old uh, flag football team from ESPN in the early days, and it was uh, in the early 90s, and it was Stuart Scott out there on the team. I mean, it was just cool seeing these photos from an era I think a lot of people associate with really the renaissance days, the glory days of ESPN and SportsCenter that Kenny Mayne was a part of that now Scott Van Pelt got in on the tail end of that. But there's no one left from I'm that I'm still very annoyed that they were so willing to overpay Stephen A. Smith. And I understand what he is and why they have that uh, highway. Uh, or overpay Katie Nolan, who's nowhere to be found. And, and, and well, Katie Nolan brings them no value. That's go. the problem. Stephen A. Smith at least brings them a big value yeah. attached with it. Screaming A. Smith. 
That's what that's that's what he's paid to do. Well, I'm mad at viewers for wanting. Well, it's what an, it can be an entertaining to, show. Yeah. I mean that that that's the thing is if they're going to have quality guests on, and there's going to be some debate back and forth. We don't like the manufactured part of it. How much of it's manufactured? I haven't watched much of it, but when I have watched it, I feel like eighty percent of it's artificial debate. And uh, how many and times can you debate LeBron and Michael Jordan? Right. We're getting into that season. You know it's coming. Let's yes. uh, and we can uh, just looking at ESPN right now, okay? Because I I said it's the death of my childhood with ESPN, with Kenny Mayne. A big part of my childhood was watching highlights every morning before going to school because I didn't know what happened in the Bulls game with Michael Jordan. You know, until I watch the highlight of the night, because I went to bed before it finished or whatever, and you're not, you know, looking to the paper at all times. So the eras are definitely different when you look at that. But what does ESPN have that's not going away anytime soon on broadcast television? Not streaming, but broadcast television. Games. Live sports. I mean, we're looking at an era, and if you're looking into the future, Stephen A. Smith as an opinion maker for ESPN has a lot of value. I see the value of a lot of opinion makers at ESPN going down because I don't think ESPN is very good in the opinion business anymore. I think companies like Outkick are better in the internet era and, and, and more precise at how they attack opinion than ESPN. But what ESPN will dominate in and where it's not going away and where they have an advantage in television, live sports. The future of television, live sports and news. That's it. Your entertainment options, your scripted shows, your movies, everything is going to streaming. Your opinion shows, streaming. I think news, live sports, that's what's going to live on television for a long, long time. And that's where ESPN is positioned well from a TV standpoint. The, the best two shows among the, the properties, right, of, of what their anchor points are. We mentioned Scott Van Pelt, SVP at night. And then there's part in the interruption, PTI, which, which, de which is, debuted yep, in 2001. Great. Still great. Um, which, by the way, two old guys. Excellent. Unpart the interruption. Say what you want about the changing They've, face of media and America and everything else. I think we would all agree the best opinion show on ESPN that they do and they've done for years is part of the interruption with two old guys that have done it forever. Yeah, and then they've had around the horn for some time. I mean, we. Woody Page is a national it's name because the horn of is around the horn. It's this it's been around though. Scoring points for it. um, it's just dumb. Well, it's a it's a good show where you get uh, points from different media members. As a newspaper guy, you should be all for this. That that well, job helps save some of these newspapers for a little is, while. Is sports yeah. reporters made them national on? names. No, I don't think so. Um, so that's I, the one I loved on Sunday. The, the reason that tied into the OTL kind of thing, yeah. which has been. Buried. The Bob reason why I, I used That's to DVR that, guy, I would DVR yeah. that show and it doesn't DVR anymore. Around the Horn? No. Uh, OTL. Oh, oh, sports, sports reporters. Sports okay. reporters. Yeah. So, like, that's how this I know. This is going to be a shocking revelation that you every day. Yeah, you say um, news, yeah. but the ESPN's really cut down its hard-hitting news. But in the internet era, to Chad's point, you don't want the highlights and the 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 layer to deeper on, on the story. I the entertainment value is what they're pushing now which is you know the the debate shows and everything else which is a younger audience i mean the younger audience jake popoff's in here he probably prefers stephen a smith's show over pardon the interruption and i think there's a there's a line of demarcation uh, for the age groups that they're focused on. Well, there. They'll, it'd be interesting to see who they turn that over to based on the guests that they have on there to sub Pablo Torres or Mina Kimes or 
whatever. And they've turned over some of those studio shows, NFL Live. NFL Live's completely but different. I don't, now. So, uh, but this is the thing with ESPN that always uh, gets confusing to me. What does Mina Kimes do other than guest on all the well, not, shows? Well, now she's an NFL Live regular. She's oh, an NFL okay. analyst. I think she's good. She's but very I good. don't know what you see. What I'm saying? Like, I don't know. They're not. I don't think of a a talent in a show. At ESPN, I think of all these people I turn well, on the certainly TV, the Katie Nolan at the thing. airport. Katie Nolan, the they're just on there. Katie but, Nolan just floats. She yeah. doesn't have a thing. Someone's on with Pablo Torre, you know, in the afternoon yeah. or Levitard's old show, That's and then there'll be on something else. Yeah, who's who's highly questionable? Seems like it's a rotating cast of characters. Which is odd that we didn't see more of Kenny Mayne do that. Yes, right? I never understood. We we've had Kenny Mayne on at, at multiple Super Bowls. Terrific. And I think I've asked him this question. Where where are you? Paul may have asked him that one time. Why do we not see more of you? And he's always got a funny answer to that. But he was trying. He's an anchor. He was pitching uh, he's not an anchor. comedy he, he TV would, show ideas to them. He's an anchor, but he's a... Uh, He's he's also perfect for these bits. I mean, oh, I know. fly him out to do these different bits with the Seattle Seahawks or whatever. He but they're all kind of sports center or NFL live-ish things. Like he's pigeon, yeah. overly pigeonholed. That's what we're saying. He'd be great yeah, floating yeah, onto yeah, these yeah, shows, yeah. but they pigeonhole too. him but this is as sports an anchorish guy. He, oh, he wrote a lot of those. He wrote a lot of those. He, he mentioned. I didn't know that. He said they they let me have a big creative hand in the Sports Center commercials over the years, and uh, he said his biggest regret was. They pitched one to Michael Jordan that he, they wanted. To, Michael Jordan never did one. Yeah. But he said, "I thought it was the funniest idea I've ever seen for Michael Jordan in a commercial, and he he wouldn't do it." But that he really wanted Michael Jordan to be a part of that. You dub on Twitter. You can interact with us on Twitter at any time at Outkick Three Sixty. He says, "I put Hannah Storm on the list with other classic sports center anchors, there. but mostly because of her being on uh, the NBA on NBC, NBC back in the day." And not about her time with ESPN. She's done Sunday mornings for a long time. Linda Cohn also, he said, did a recent sports center after the Grizzlies Warriors. Linda Cohn for sure. I don't put Hannah Storm in classic sports center anchor categories, but she is a classic broadcaster. I think she's a classic. Because I think of Bob Rashad, the Inside the NBA show that she was a part of way back in the day. NBA stuff. Yeah, NBA Inside NBA stuff or whatever it was. I think Hannah Storm's a classic sports center anchor. She's just a Sunday morning anchor, which is different than your, most of us think of weeknight uh, watching highlights. Sunday morning's a whole different packaged thing, I I, I think. Um, Yeah, ESPN you could just talk about over and over. I think you're right. Games is, is, is where it's at. And there's still billions of dollars in games. No matter if people are watching games less, they still watch them more than they watch anything else. Well, I think of uh, when ESPN tries Live. to do too much. Yeah, oh, yeah. When they try to do too much is when they get in trouble. When they try to go to in too many areas, that's where they get out of their comfort zone and they're not as good. I think about their failed partnership with Barstool Sports. Right as Barstool Sports is really taking off, they couldn't handle the heat that Barstool Sports is going to bring them. They didn't know how to handle it. They didn't know what to do with it. And on the other side of it, Barstool Sports should not be getting in the business of mainstream ESPN media because they're so much better at what they do than what ESPN does. And well, vice at that versa. time, it worked perfectly for them. So they don't, yeah, it got them some good pub for being the, the outsiders. Yeah, and the, the part of my take bus where SVP came on. Yeah. With him as a live guest, like he ended his yeah. show and walked onto the bus. I mean, that, it was a great concept. But it lasted my, for about two weeks. You see my point? I think <laughs> that sure. there are there are too certain sure. companies that are really good at certain things, and they should do more of that. So if I'm yeah. ESPN, give me more games, give me more analysis of those games, and stop spreading yourself so wide in everything that you do. And I think that's better for the viewer of of ESPN and sports. So I. I 
I think they would do that if the ratings were, would stay high. So they have to well, yield some of this well, stuff, they, and they have. I mean, they have to concede something like Outkick and Barstool and, uh, and whatever have these niches that are pretty powerful. And that was a hard thing to come to terms with in a lot of businesses that the Internet and these niches had a lot of power. They used to just be these fringe, small things. Yeah. Okay, there's this baseball group over here of diehards. And, you know, they rely on Baseball Tonight for part of what they do. Well, that took a big jump, right? Where you're taking money and advertisers and eyeballs away from us. And it's a new reality. That, that's a hard adjustment what they've for done Disney well, to make. They did the pre, they, I think they do pregame shows well. Mm -hmm. You know, Rachel Nichols, I'm watching her show. I'm watching NBA Jump for pregame analysis. I'm turning to TNT for postgame. I don't care what ESPN has to say post-game in the NBA, uh, you know, but, but pre-game, I think they've done a nice job filling that gap leading into whatever the biggest night headline is across the NBA. Um, so I, I think in certain areas, they crush it, um, and they fill the gap for what you're saying, for the, the See, audience that's looking more and more for the, the X's and O's, but the, you're right about the opinion part of this. They, they don't have those opinion makers that are going to do anything but repeat what every other show across their network is saying. See, they've gotten away from, I think, that kind of post-game columnist. Like, yes. I'm not a Wilbon fan, but Wilbon on a basketball court after a big NBA game kind of being the old-school newspaper columnist, giving you a post-game column reaction That's where with I a love microphone. That's good stuff. I love and Stephen A. Away I love Stephen that. A. in that setting. With a microphone that's at the NBA Finals. That's his best. That's his best, I would he's, say. He's best at the reaction right when something happens. You're what right. does it mean? So much of this also is cost analysis. You know, it's Absolutely. cheap to put on a 1.30 in the afternoon opinion show with two, two people kids. and produce it Young. as opposed to buying the NBA, <laughs> the rights to the NBA, or, or carrying things like that. So they're going to have to start looking at that. But here's where ESPN also has an advantage. They're owned by Disney. And... Um, I, I, I read this recently with Netflix, and I think the analogy was, you know, Netflix is great because they had this big catalog and they were originally in there and they started making their own stuff. So they have a huge catalog of stuff. But Netflix is selling wooden trinkets. Places like Amazon and Disney and these other places, they are selling the wooden trinkets. And oh, by the way, they own the lumber mill that makes it. They own the glue factory that makes it. And they own everything else behind it. That's where ESPN is positioned well because mm -hmm. Disney has so many properties in what they own. So they're making money off of media. They're making money off physical objects being sold through Disney, off theme parks, and everything else. So I think in terms of live sports, even though they're, they're costly to both produce and to acquire the rights from, they're going to be well-suited to be in that arena for a while simply because their affiliation with Disney. You're, you're on to something big there. But when they own the lumber mill, it produces our first big gif with me talking about them ramming it down our throats <laughs> with the Star Wars thing in yeah. the baseball booth. And do they know how to cross-promote in a way that's not offensive to the baseball viewer who wants to watch a simple baseball game and give me a little Star Wars tie-in, but they don't have, have everybody it. dressed as Jedi. Next, you're going to have the players dressed as Jedi. But here's the thing. If you own the Star Wars catalog, for God's sakes, the Star Wars catalog in the Marvel Universe, which they are putting out there on Disney Plus at all times, 
people already own Disney Plus and know about it through all these other avenues. To me, I want to have them support ESPN, <laughs> right? There's no way to do that. You're not going to have a Star Wars character have a Skywalker talking about Sunday Night Baseball talk about that back. in the next episode. <laughs> but I'm saying there's there's like a way. Like I don't. You're right because they're jamming it down our throats, but they don't need to. Because all of that stuff just prints money already as it is. I don't know that they need ESPN as a promotional arm of Star Wars. It's not about the Marvel. promotional arm. They want May the Fourth to be a national holiday for Disney. That's what they and they're going to integrate that they're into gonna, Major League Baseball. But where every May the Fourth <laughs> across Major League Baseball is going to be May the Fourth be with you, and they are branding that for their network and their company like that. That's what they're doing. It's not about promoting Disney Plus. They are building, they want Christmas Day on May 4th for Star Wars fans. I refuse to let it And out. they want every Major League Baseball park to have May the 4th Day, May the 4th be with. That's the that's the business that they're in. That They are thinking 10 steps ahead Is it of working? promoting Disney+. Plus. Here's it's what working. I want. I mean, did you see, I mean, it's a, it's a minor, it's been working in minor league. Minor league. Uh, it's a good for minor. It's working because you're talking about uh, Tim Kirchin coming in. What was he wearing? A Yoda man. Apparently it's working. That's, I, that's what they're doing. Here's what I want May the 4th to go back to being. May the 4th. <laughs> a day in May. No, Early the, May. The night where you drink a lot of water to prepare for the drinking on <laughs> That is what May the 4th yeah. be in America. As America gets set to celebrate like Mexican fun. independence, yeah. this is a night of heavy water drinking to prepare but, for Margaret. And I like but Star Wars fun. Like Wars like Cervezas. We're, we're thinking about, you know, just how do you, you're sitting in a boardroom, you think, okay, we have Disney Plus. We have yeah, ESPN. What else can we own within this space? And that's what they're all doing. We will own this day. We will own the calendar date of May the 4th. <laughs> that's what they're doing. I mean, at some point, you just the land grab gets to the point where the, some rich executives looking at tables like, "What else can we own? I've got it. People. <laughs> let's let's have a human farm and let's create May our own the, people. Yeah. Let's see if we can make humans and then get them to cloning. talk about and promote what we yeah, want. The, the That's the next cloning. frontier. May the fourth, presented by Disney, is what they is what they're looking for. Disney's and then, cloning and department. And then, hey, be thinking. What's the next date? <laughs> Yeah. So somewhat about what six months away from May. You 4th. know, some advertising exec is probably throwing that out in the meeting. Like, guys, no bad ideas. What else can we buy? And he's like, people. No, no, Barry. Not <laughs> no, yet. No, yeah. Not yet. That was years a ago. Close. Not now. A little let's close. Not, let's not go there. Too soon. Too you know soon. what you can own and rent? Homes. Renters Warehouse is where it is at, Chad. And they have uh, been with us here on Outkick 360. We highly recommend going to rwnashville.com for more information. Love talking about Renters Warehouse because uh, they've been there for a lot of people helping with different rental issues that pop up. If you own rental property, you know all about it. Maybe you own rental property and you need some cash. You're worried about receiving rent on time. You can get the most out of your real estate investment by receiving a full year of rent paid up front. And by giving you your money up front, Renters Warehouse helps minimize risk and provides financial flexibility so you can build long-term wealth. Renters Warehouse is Nashville's leader in property management and the only company providing upfront rent. The upfront rent program is available for a limited time. Call Renters Warehouse Nashville at 615-398-9550 or visit rwnashville.com to see if you qualify. Again, the website, rwnashville.com. Do it the Renters Warehouse way and get tomorrow's rent today. We don't know exactly where Julio Jones is going to play in 2021. 
but he went on national television this morning and hinted at where he's not going to be. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Crew is all here today. Julio Jones says he's out of there. You're going to see that quote, I'm out of there, in, in reference to the Atlanta Falcons. When Shannon Sharp asked him about that this morning on Undisputed, um, I'm, I'm unclear on if Shannon called him, if he called Shannon. I think Shannon Sharp called him. I'm not sure if he knew he was on air or not, but it made for great television uh, because they were debating the Dallas Cowboys. And Sharp had a, a joke about how you don't want to you know, go to Dallas if you're looking for a winner because Julio Jones said that that was priority number one for him. He wanted to play for a team that's going to win. Uh, and then when asked about Atlanta or Dallas, he said, I'm out of there. Um, Paul, this is no breaking news in terms of Julio Jones being on the trade market, but it's the first we've heard publicly from him about the situation of being traded and yes. whether or not we will see him in a different uniform. And Ian Rappaport tweeted out just a, a few moments ago, and you were pointing this out during the last break, uh, th this may be per Julio's request, not the team saying that. Yes, Rappaport says that Julio Jones requested a trade a few months ago, did yeah. it say? And Prior that, to the draft. And that the Falcons are trying to give him what he wants. So they've been listening to, to offers and are trying to give him what he wants. So that this, uh, we've been asking, like, why would the Falcons be moving on from such a good player, given that they have Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, that could be a, a, a great offense here with what they have. Uh, and, and, you know, so what about the salary cap room if you're, if you're real tight against it? Grady Jarrett extension would help in this regard, and you would imagine that they would want to extend Grady Jarrett. For but sure. this would explain a lot about that if Julio Jones has said that he wants out. Now, I don't know what his frustration might be. Maybe he uh, just feels like his time is up there, or he hasn't liked what he's heard from uh, the new regime there, including Arthur Smith. But if he wants out, then the Falcons could reasonably say, okay, it's time to move on from an old guy who's been dinged up some, and he's been good to the organization. The organization's been good to him. We move on. We free up cap space. We're ready to go younger, and uh, we could get a, a you know reasonable draft pick here in return uh, in, in the future. I, I'm thinking, you know, if, if you pay some of the money, you can get a second rounder. They got a second rounder for Sanu a couple years ago mm -hmm. from, from the New England. There's also a report out that he's interested in playing with Cam Newton and the Patriots. Um, they have the cap space. That's a key in all this, too, is they, they have the space to do it without the Patriots I'm talking about, without having to restructure a contract or make it fit perfectly for the trade to go through after June 1st, where they could absorb uh, much of that contract. In, in the details of what Julio Jones's contract is, 15 uh, currently... His total of $23 million, that's a cap hit for 2021, 15.3 is guaranteed, and the remainder of his prorated signing bonus that's already been paid out in Atlanta, which means the Patriots would not be on the hook for the prorated signing bonus, just the, the 15. New team, Field Yates has it, new team would owe 15.3 guaranteed in 2021, 11.5 in 2022, $2 million of which is guaranteed now, and 11.5 in 2023. Three years, $38 million. 
for Jones, who turns 32 in February. You're banking on him being good until he's 35. Right. Well, but he's but that kind of player. I don't think teams are as worried about year two or year three. They're, they're more concerned about right. the, the cap hit now based on the cap structure for this season. And those how are not tight everything is. Yeah, and those are not bad hits in no. 22 and 23, the 11.5 million. Only two million guaranteed next year, so if if you were in trouble, you could get out. Fifteen million coming up is a hard thing, but like we've talked about, in t- t- use the Tennessee Titans as an example. Tennessee Titans could restructure Ryan Tannehill like that. They don't have to come up with new money. They'd be pushing a little bit into future years, but they could come up with twenty million dollars in cap money with a simple, basic restructure of Ryan Tannehill. And they would not only be able to cover Julio Jones, they would get $5 million more that would cover them, a team that has, what, between 3 and $5 million mm-hmm. in cap space right now. Right now. You know, uh, uh, Titans are in a go-for-it window right now. Their second-best receiver is Josh Reynolds. Their third-best receiver is, is either Des Fitzpatrick, a fourth-round draft pick, or Cam Batson, well, or, aside or from Nick that, Westbrook-Akina. Aside from that, I'm looking at the trio around Tannehill of A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, Julio Jones. Not looking at the depth chart, per se, as much as I am. That group around and the structure around Tannehill, I don't know how you don't make a swing for Yeah, this. and look at a defense, right? A defense right now is like stop A.J. Brown in the passing game at all costs. Yes. You bring in Julio Jones, and a defense is who, who we're taking our lumps with coverage-wise. Real quick, before we get to the Tennessee Power Hour, which will include the Titans, um, and the Preds, the Jags. They put out their video, like episode three of the draft process, which I'm all for. I'm I'm not here to crush Jacksonville for Colts showing are doing names these too. It's terrific for showing names on. And even if it was accident, they don't deserve to be crucified for it because I want more of this. I want more transparency. Shad Khan puts Trevor Lawrence's name up top on a magnet, and apparently on this video, I, I went to see it and I couldn't find where it says. Uh, Jalen Waddell's name, but reports uh, reports are you could freeze frame it at like six the six fifty one mark, which again I tried to do and I looked all over the screen and I couldn't find his name, but the rating is what is important. Uh, Trevor Lawrence was an eight point for prospect grade on his name. Jalen Waddell, you see his name, he's also an eight point so he had the same grade as as Trevor Lawrence within the Jacksonville draft room which I found very intriguing. Now, what we don't know, I didn't see any other reports about any other names that were visible, so we don't know if the 8.0 is just a standard like top five grade. I think they saw the Trevor number. Lawrence. I think they also saw the number for um, Zach Wilson, uh, and I think it was a seven. Okay. Well, Trevor, I'm not here to say that they were contemplating drafting Jalen Waddle. No, but your quarterback needy if you have a tie grade. Well, and, and Trevor Lawrence knew he was going to be in Jacksonville for months, and, and Jacksonville knew that too. I mean, Urban Meyer took the job to draft Trevor Lawrence, not to draft Jalen Waddle. But uh, in the hierarchy of wide receivers in the draft, they loved Jamal they Chase. loved him, and I I I love the fact that Jacksonville didn't blur it out. Uh, the the idea that it was overlooked, possibly maybe. But what's the, the damage, though? What's, there is no damage. There, there is no damage in it. And uh, I, I like the transparency of being able to see that behind the well, curtain. I mean, here's what you would say. Don't stop doing the if show. You're, if you're a secretive team, here's what you would say. Or, or another team who's horrified by this or the idea that it would happen to them. 
Jamar Chase is a free agent in four years or five years, <laughs> and people know that we loved him when he came out. And now we're at a disadvantage in going after him as a free agent because people know how much we liked him, which is really far down the road. It's really going to. I hate you that, that this much. will just lead to more secrecy. Now someone's going to say, "See, we can't do anything because we're going to let something out." And I hope that's not the case because I love things. There like are that. teams saying that though. You know yeah. that, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, a digital team going to a GM asking to do this, a GM will say, "Look what happened. They know Jamar Chase's grade from the Jaguars. We can't do it." Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Follow the page. Subscribe to the YouTube page, YouTube, and just search out Outkick360 channel. Hit subscribe. Hit that alert button. Every time we go live, you will be alerted to it. Anytime we post new content, you'll know that as well. Content like the Tennessee Power Hour. Live coming up, the Preds and the Hurricanes. It is now a best of three headed back to Raleigh. Our thoughts on what the Preds pulled off in double overtime, not once, but twice over the weekend next on Outkick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day and give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.